this is a question that I think is central to our church. You know, one of the tenets that I talked about last week when we're talking about a verse of our church is John 13. And um, one of the tenets of our church is learning to articulate yourself, learning how to talk about Christian things. We as a generation today are very weak at that. People can lead worship sets. People can have prayer sessions. But if we have to talk to a non-believer about God, we are so scared. We're like, I don't know what I'm going to say. And that's not anyone's fault. But I think one of my hearts of church is I want to equip people so that when they go into public spaces, they can talk about God. So the question I wanted to ask is how comfortable are you in talking about God? And how does one become more comfortable? You know, this is an interesting question I posted because I put on a scale of 1 to 10, how comfortable are you? And a lot of people were comfortable. Like some people said, well, one person put on 11. Whether it's effective, I don't know. But he put he's an 11. He's ready to talk about God anytime. Some people put twos. Um, I had about 16 people reply, which was pretty good. And the average was about a seven, which is not bad. I was like, I was like proud. Like I think people, people are not uncomfortable. But I want us to think about how do you become more comfortable talking about God with other people? I mean, especially now that I really do believe we're getting closer and closer to the end times. We've been doing our study on Revelations. And it just makes me think, man, like, if the end is real, what it says, that is scary. We have to do what we can to help as many people as we can. So can we equip ourselves so that we are ready to share? So let me ask you guys, how comfortable are you, if you want to answer that, and how do people, you, may, you don't even want to talk about yourself, how do we become more comfortable talking about God with others? One thing I want to add, and um, uh, before I get into where I feel like God was guiding me, it was a really good comment I had. One guy put a 10. He was like a 10. And I was like, why are you a 10? He was like, you know, honestly, I used to be scared, but I had all of my Muslim friends who never were hesitant. And he was like, that made me just wonder. How are these people who we don't believe to have the truth so confident in what they believe? And so then he was like, I just started doing it. And now he's like a 10 at it. So you're right. It's, it's a, a part of doing, but recognize the world is strong in what they believe. You know what I mean? And if we're weak, like what does that say about us? What does it say about our faith? So consider that. Um, but I, we're going to get into the text to give us some guidance about how we become more comfortable in talking about God with other people. So let's read this again. Um, we're going to look at this guy's account of how he got comfortable talking about God. So in verse 8, through, this is John chapter 9, verses 8 through 11. Um, the blind man's neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I'm the man. Like, what? how are you going to deny that a man is a man? Like, for real? But anyways... <laughs> Anyways, verse 10, how then were your eyes open, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Shalom and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. And such a beautiful text to me, because <laughs> this is such a beautiful text to me, because it's like he goes from never even meeting Jesus to becoming one of the best evangelists for Jesus. He goes from not even knowing Jesus to saying such beautiful theology. You know, later on, they press him more. And the Pharisees are, come on the scene and they're like, who is this guy? Like, you know, because we're going to read it in a second. They're like, like he healed on the Sabbath. 
And they were like, he, he can't do that. And, and the blind man says, one of the most powerful lines, he says, I don't know all of the things, but I know I once was blind, but now I see. One of the most theologically rich statements. This man has never gone to seminary. This man has never sat in a sermon before, yet he is so articulate with his faith. How? And that's all, and Hebs had already mentioned it today. It's the idea of honesty in your experience. Here's the thing. Here's where we lack today, and this is why we are so weak in our faith. We're so weak today because we are not honest in our experiences. See, the second that you become honest in your experiences, there's a confidence you have. You don't have to wonder, what do I need to say right now? You know what to say. He literally doesn't make it rocket science. You know, I think we make sharing God with other people rocket science. Oh, I need to talk about this theology. It's like he literally said, I was blind. I had an issue. This is what he did for me. Now I'm healed. That's all you have to do for other people. You just have to tell them your experience. And the second you experience, honestly, I'm telling you this, it's like your words are powerful. Your life becomes more meaningful. But the key, let me just tell you this, the key is you have to experience it first. You know why I speak with so much conviction? Because this is real for me. Like I've lived it. I've seen it in my life. That's why I can't not live it. I can't not talk about it. Let me give you an example of this. So one of the texts in the scriptures say, you know, um, Jesus said, who is your neighbor who I should love? And Jesus talks about the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, where a man stops on the side of the road and loves someone. And Jesus said, who was the neighbor? And, and Jesus said, the, or the man said, the one who stopped for the man. Y'all know the story of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. So for me, it became a thing that I decided to do. If I saw someone on the side of the road that looks like they needed help, I would stop. I remember the first time I did it, I was on the way to class in the morning. It was 8.15. My class started at 8.30. I was literally like going to be late. I was going to get there at like 8.29, 8.28, something like that, like right before. And I remember I'm driving and traffic is terrible that morning. And I look and there's a car stopped with a man standing there. And it's a two-lane road. We're going this way. And one of the lanes is blocked because of the man's car. I'm like, dang, man, can't you just pull over? You know, like I started getting annoyed. And uh, I mean, get out of the road so that we can go. But then I thought, so I like, I like get to the light. I see him. I like, I was like, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, I have someone coming. So I was like, it's fine. So I drive on because I need to get to class. And then I thought, no, Jesus, go and do likewise. I should love. So I remember I made a U-turn. I remember this because I had to like turn around because like, man, I need to do the right thing. So I made a U-turn. If I'm late a few minutes, it's fine. It's, I'm learning about loving God and loving people. I should probably love someone right now. So I turned around. I came back there. I pulled over. He just needed to jump. And I had my cables with me. I like pulled up in front of him. I jumped his car. It literally took me two minutes. And the man was like, I was like, how long have you been standing here or staying here? And he was like, probably 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, has anyone even stopped? And he's like, not a single person. And it just made me think that's the way the world is. Everyone is just in their own worlds, doing their own thing. And Jesus has clearly said, love other people. Yet it's just going the way of God is not natural. Well, I was like so happy because it just made me feel like, man, I did something good this morning. And the guy was super happy too. And he was like, hey, I would love to like take you out to lunch actually. And I was like, you don't have to do that. And he was like, let's do it. So he got, I got his number and we went to a German restaurant. And this man that I had stopped on the side of the road to help, 
paid for my meal at a German restaurant, and I got German food. And I was like, man, what a cool life. You know what, I mean? what, what a cool story. And, for, and I was hooked. That was the first day I did it, and I was hooked after that because it was like the life that God is offering you is such a rich life. I don't have to, I, no one has to convince me. I don't have to study this. I've lived it, right? I got to taste something good, literally and figuratively. <laughs> the German food is pretty solid, actually. <laughs> I actually liked it. <laughs> so I want to challenge you. If you are not strong in your walk, if you're not strong in conveying ideas of God, maybe because you haven't experienced it. The second you experience it, you want to share that with people. You know why I'm so passionate? Because it's a rich life. It's not just a life where you go to work and come home and maybe you have your things. It's a full life. He's offering you a full life. But obviously we don't live that. And we don't have honest experience. And so we're going to look at this text to see why we don't. So the first thing we're going to look at is why didn't the Pharisees experience? So in verse 13, it says, Then they brought the Pharisees to the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. So let me ask you this. What stopped the Pharisees? Why couldn't they believe? Why couldn't they experience the miracle that day? And you know, what's the saddest thing about the Pharisees? The Pharisees knew everything about God. They had studied the word. You know, they had memorized so much scripture. They even to the smallest letter were trying to put it into practice. Yet they missed Jesus. So the first thing I see of why were they, why did they miss the experience of God? Because of religiosity. Religiosity is, if I could give a definition to it, it's the idea that you know. Like you know how Christian life should be. So let me ask. I think we are very religious in many ways. So let's think. Let's talk about an average person's Christian life, okay? Do you know it's so sad right now? People just do things because they know they should at a certain time. You know, you, when should you get saved? Hopefully by the age of 10 to 12. Like, really, there's like an age. And after that, people are like, hey, you really should get saved now. Like, you know, you should believe in Jesus. They have never had an experience with Jesus. They have never understood what he's meant to their life. And guess what? They just do it because of religiosity. Same with baptism. You know, well, you know what baptism really is? Baptism is where you boldly profess that you believe in Jesus. You know, back in the day, baptism was you would go to a lake in front of random people and say, I believe in Jesus. How do we do baptism today? We go to our baptismal with only Christian people and say, I believe in Jesus. Like, how scary is that? The whole point of the experience is I am ready to stand for Jesus, right? That's pathetic. It's pathetic what we've made it. It's just a thing that we do now. And because of it, there is no effectiveness and power. You know, even at some churches that I go to now, like they tell me, you can't lead worship till you're baptized. So people get baptized so that they can lead worship. <laughs> Isn't that pathetic? Like they literally, like we have 13 and 14 year olds who want to start leading, so they'll go get baptized. And maybe they have a genuine experience. But religiosity means we have a formula of how we know how God operates. And because of that, we miss God. Man, you know, there was a time when people genuinely had encounter with God. 
Like you couldn't, my dad told me, you couldn't do something in the church until you had an encounter with God. Now it's like, who is the most gifted person? Let's get them on the stage. Who is the best orator? Let's get them. It's not about experiencing anything. It's about who can do the thing. So I want to challenge you. The first thing I think that you have to recognize that if you want to be effective in your speaking, if you want to have power in whatever you do, you have to experience God for yourself. So let me just say, the solution to religiosity is this. You have to get on your knees and say you don't know. Whereas religiosity says, I know, a servant of God says, I don't know. God, I don't know when I should be saved. Speak to me. God, I need genuine experience with you. I don't want to just go through motion. But yet so many are content going through motion. Seriously. You have to get to a point and say, God, I don't know. This is not enough. This is not enough. How can we pack our buildings with people? Because people are just content with just programs and things. And it's like there was a time when there was experience. And so you have to honestly say, God, I need experience with you. God, I need experience with you. God, I need experience with you. Until the day you say that, till you're hungry for that, if you're just okay with the motions of church, you will get the motions of church. The enemy has no problem with you going through the motions of church. But the second you say, I want something more, it gets difficult. But you have to ask God, I need something more. Man, when I first started reading the Bible, it's nothing. Like, it's just like you're reading something. And for many today, it's just you reading something. But at some point, you just say, okay, I'm going to be committed. I'm going to do this. I want to experience God. I went to the Bible saying, I don't know God. I don't know how to live. I need your guidance. Whereas the Pharisees say, I know everything. I went to God saying, I don't know. And I remember I would read it every morning. I did the yearly Bible plan. For two years, I read it. And never once did I have any spark moments, nothing revelation. But I remember the third year when I started reading the Bible plan, ideas just started coming to my mind. It wasn't like this was someone else's ideas. This was mine. Truth came to me because I went to God saying, I don't know God. I need you. And guess what? Why do you think I'm so passionate when I talk about it? Because it's truth to me. I'm not looking up a sermon online. I'm not trying to repeat a worship that someone else did. It's unique to me. You have to experience God for yourself. And when you do, it's powerful. When you do, it is a movement. I'm telling you this. There's a, contrast. There's a contrast. Movement versus institutionalization. We have institutionalized church that is ineffective. We're trying to help lots of people. But when you realize the movement is what is needed, God needs a people who are ready to move with him. Man, when you will, we can be powerful for this world. So I want to encourage you. The first thing is, it is so easy to be religious. Especially if you grew up, you are unconsciously religious. You have to recognize for a moment, God, I don't know. I need you. You know why I do this? Because church is not enough. I need you, God. If everyone is doing one thing, God, I don't care. I need you, God. That is my focus. 
So first thing I want to encourage you is this, push against the religiosity. The second thing I see, why people are not honest with themselves. I'm going to read from verse 18 to 20. So continually, the Pharisees didn't believe that the man had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one who you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how, how he can now see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. This is why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So can I ask you a question? Why were the parents not able to fully experience? Man, you think about the parents. You saw your son who has been born blind receive healing. I would definitely stand for that guy who helped me. Wouldn't you? Man, if anything happens to my kids, I'm, I'm standing for the man that helps them. Can you agree with me? So what makes them do that? Fear. And I think the fear of man is one of the, the other reasons we can't be honest with ourselves. We are crippled by fear. I want to encourage you, the fear of man stops you from saying what God needs and doing what God has asked. God has definitely called us to things, and sometimes we are more afraid of people than we are of God. You know, there was one, there was one time in our church where um, a member was mentioning to me that they had felt from God conviction to go talk to someone about a need. They, they, told, uh, they felt like this person was going through something, and God was telling them to stop. And so in fear, though, of what the person would say if they was wrong, the person decided, maybe I wouldn't. Well, later that day, that member came up to us and mentioned, you know, hey, I've been thinking about, is it okay if, like, smoking and vaping is okay? And later that day, they came to us to open that up. And that believer said, man, if I had just listened to what God had said instead of being afraid, fear cripples us. Fear stops us from moving forward. But I want to encourage you, you have to have a greater fear of God than you do of man. You know, I have a story here of uh, Smith Wigglesworth. And I love Smith Wigglesworth because he was a man that stood for God. So um, there was a good example of there was a sick man who, uh, who had asked Smith Wigglesworth to come and pray. And so after a few mi minutes, Wigglesworth said, God has told me not to pray for this ill person till you repent of your sins. Your, black, your backsliding, your pride, and your unbelief. The man said, I don't know what you're talking about, Wigglesworth said. You do. The, the Holy Spirit is not a liar. So it's interesting in this moment, why is this man able to be bold in who God is? Because he's more afraid of God than he is of the man. If it was us today, if we have conviction to tell someone something, we think we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to ruffle any feathers. Yet this man has a boldness. And the man said, I don't know what you're talking about, but Wigglesworth said, you do. The Holy Spirit is not a liar. The man's wife pleaded with him, but he told her to keep out of it. Wigglesworth prayed, Lord, give this man repentance. And he walked out. When we were outside, he began, Wigglesworth began to weep and said, why did I have to say that? I told him the man had been a deacon in our church, but he had left us and joined a liberal church where he was publishing literature against the baptism and the spirit. 
Then why did you take me here, Wigglesworth said. I replied, because he asked me, and I felt a fresh voice might help him back to God. And the next day, Wigglesworth sent me to see if the man was ready to be prayed for. But his wife greeted me at the door and said, I don't think you'd better see my husband today. He is still angry with what was said yesterday. And this minister said, I'd rather see your husband than go back and tell Smith Wigglesworth that I didn't see him. When I entered the sick room, the man said, you don't agree with Wigglesworth, do you? Uh, the, the sick man had asked the, the minister, and the minister said, I know and you know that what, what he said is true, but I didn't have the courage to say it to you before. Get out and don't come back, he shouted. This was the last time I saw of him. He died shortly afterwards. But that incident showed me that Wigglesworth was always ready to hear God and follow his instructions. So we're talking about the idea today of how are, do you stay comfortable and confident in God? You have to be more fearful of God than you are of man. I'm going to keep reiterating that. We are so crippled by what everyone else says. If someone says something bad about us, we're thinking, man, maybe I'm not right. But think one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to be held accountable for every friend that doesn't know God. You're going to be held accountable for everything that you should have said that you didn't say. So I want to encourage you, if you want to have a confidence and a boldness in sharing, be more afraid of God than people. And this is not easy. I don't think this is something that magically happens. Like we've been reiterating, you just have to start to do it. You, boldness is not something that's natural to most people. As someone who used to be afraid of the dark, let me just reiterate this. Boldness is not something that's natural. I stepped in my parents' bed until I was 13. It took me one day just saying, all right, I'm a teenager. I need to stop sleeping in my parents' bed. And I just had to go sleep by myself, right? Boldness comes by steps and saying, I just have to do this. Maybe let me just have a small conversation with that friend that I need. Boldness is not overnight. It will take small steps. But I believe if you take those small steps, you are able to get to a place. Finally, the last thing, and then I'm done for the day, and I'm finished. Um, I think one thing, and now let me ask you guys a question. What allowed this man to experience God? You know, this blind man was able to experience God. What allowed him to experience God? Our problems. And here's the thing that I want to say. Many times, this man had to go through a lifetime of blindness to understand the value of God. Too many of us go through problems and turn to something else to fill our void. And so what I want to challenge you is, what stops you from being honest with yourself? Your desire to be comfortable keeps you from experiencing God. Genuinely, look, I have a picture of a person in blankets. You know, you know, when you're in blankets, you do not want to get out of bed. Can you agree with me? So it's interesting. We have an incessant desire to be comfortable. The second we have a small problem that maybe God allows, we fill it with something. I feel lonely, what do I do? Let me put a relationship. I feel lonely, let me go spend time with some friends. Maybe God is allowing that loneliness for something. He wants to grow you through the loneliness. Maybe you are bored and you're like, I don't know what to do. God is saying, go spend time with me. What do we do instead? Let me get my phone. Let me go watch a show. Whatever we have that fills us. I want to encourage you, Till you, with whatever problems God gives you, turn to Him, you will never have an experience with God. You might be like, Sam, I've never been blind. I can't have that experience.
but you've had problems in your life. And if every time when you have a problem, you turn to something else, you turn to the quick solution, you will never experience God. You know what it is? We want to numb ourselves. We are always people that just, I need a quick high to feel good for a moment, and then I go back to the issue. And here's the thing with God. When God gives something, it is permanent. The solution is so good. And you're able to talk about the goodness of God. So let me encourage you, stop running from the issues God is giving. Sometimes God is allowing an issue because He wants to be the one that fills it. That He can speak to you so closely. Like, do you understand who our God is? He's such a personal God. Yet we've made Him such a far entity. In your most difficult issues, He wants to meet. And you may feel like, I've had this issue for a lifetime. And if you feel like that, look to the man, this man here, who had a lifetime of blindness. And that lifetime of blindness was his avenue of experiencing God so closely. Genuinely. Man, the enemy will always push you away from your problem and say, numb yourself. You know, there's a verse that says, if anyone will be my disciple, let him deny himself and do what? Take up his cross. Like every day, there's a cross that you're called to bear. And that cross might be boredom. That cross might be loneliness. That cross might be a feeling of lack of meaning. And rather than feeling it with random things, go to God. Take up your cross and go to Him. I'll end with one more story, and I'll be finished for today. So, you know, one of the things that I felt like God called of me, especially when I was younger, was to look out for my grandma and, you know, and to minister wherever I could. And while I was taking care of grandma, obviously I didn't have any money. And it was one of those things that I just felt like God was calling me to do. And during that time, I would minister at churches and they would give me little pocket change. They gave me like 500 a month. And I remember um, at the end of the year, they reported it to the taxes. So I got a W-2. And I remember, um, I was like, dang, man, I got to report this. But whatever, it's not a big deal. I reported it. And I remember when I did my TurboTax, I owed $939. And I'm over here like, God, I don't have money. I'm doing your thing. I'm literally taking up my cross. Like, why? I should be getting a refund. You understand? Like, why am I having to give? I should be getting. And I remember just being frustrated, but I said, God, I trust you. Right after I did my taxes, it was really cool. I got invited to speak in Florida. And it was such a random, I never get invited to speak places. Well, I do, but Florida, like random, like it's a random state, you know? And so I was like, that's, that's so cool. Someone from here had connected them and they said, he's a good speaker. So I went over there and, you know, it was just crazy. Like as I was getting ready to speak, I spoke one night there. And the person who picked me up was like, you know, we feel like, you know, thank you for coming. And we feel like God just wanted us to give. And he gave me a check for 150. And I'm like, I didn't even do anything. You don't have to give me anything. And he was like, no, we just felt like God did. And they took me to a pastor's house and um, the pastor gave me some food and some chai. And then afterwards, he gave me a check for 200. I'm like, what kind of like, you don't have to pay me anything. Like, I haven't even spoken yet. And they're like, no, we're just so grateful that you came. And then I spoke that night at the event. And I was like, you know, normally I'll get like $100, $150 for speaking. 
and they gave me a check for $600. And after that whole trip, I was like, what kind of, I had $950. I owed 931 or 39. And I remember thinking, man, that is too coincidental to be coincidence. Can you agree with me? It was me learning truly, God is our provider. <laughs> like it was like he even gave me a tip, like even on top of it, you know, like, like God is so nice to me. And I think I get emotional saying that because it's like God genuinely is my provider. And even when I doubt it sometimes, God is my provider. No one can take that away from me. But what, where did it take, you know, the normal human response is when you're uncomfortable, go do something. Get some tutoring hour. I should have gone and tutored or find a job real fast. But it's like God has always meant something to me. And truly, let me tell you this, God can mean something to you if you will allow him. If you will truly allow him. So stop. Stop with the religiosity. I think this breaks my heart when I see the religiosity of our church when I see the fear of man in our church, and more than anything, the desire to be comfortable. Really, if a generation will be honest with God, we will impact so many. And more than impacting so many, you will experience God in a way that you've never seen. Man, I can take that story with me for a lifetime. You understand? I, no one will ever take that experience away from me. And guess who I get to share that with? I could share that with Zion and Micah and generations to come. I get to talk about who God is personally. This is not a distant God. He's a personal God, and he wants to meet with each of y'all. So I really want to encourage you. Do you want to grow in your comfortability in talking about God? Experience God. Honestly, experience God. Stop pushing him away and making him distant. Make him close to you. And it may not happen when you want and in your way, but if you trust him, his story is so profound and so beautiful.